Teresa, last week you did an amazing job. But I have to say you've been holding out because I hadn't heard your entire testimony. It was powerful. Man, man, powerful. The other thing I wanted to update you on, remember me talking to you guys about Ebony Wilson's grandmother who was shot three times? Well, Grandma's doing fantastic. I really want to meet Ebony's grandmother. She sounds like a hoot. She's like, I don't need pain meds. I just need more of Jesus. You know, it's just like, whoa. I love that. So she, uh, Ebony, their whole fan clan was going to be here this morning, but uh, she just said due to life and everything, they couldn't be, but they wanted me to thank you guys for lifting them up and grandma up in prayer. Uh, she's doing really, really well. So anyhow. Um, my wife and I yesterday, I wanted to tell you, we learned a valuable lesson. You know, there are these life hacks that you need to learn in life that just make things easier. Well, yesterday we learned that when you go, you live, we live like eight miles out in the country, out in the woods. Whenever you have to go to Home Depot, buy the entire shelf <laughs> or even maybe the whole aisle because you get home and you realize, well, that picture didn't quite look like that. You know, and you're, you're going back and forth and back. You know, and gas at forever a dollar gallon. That, to get to that $12 part ended up costing $932. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my goodness. This morning, I broke out probably one of my favorite Bibles. I have many translations, um, but this is my favorite. This, my wife got me when I was 24 years old. And we started, we started uh, pastoring at a mission house in Grants Pass. This Bible is pretty haggard. It's got pages torn, moved, written all through this book. She even made me this cover for it that has this sword on it. God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. That was like my spiritual mantra for years. And, and I, just, I still run with that. And I want to talk about this this morning. I want to do part two and kind of wrap up <clears throat> where we've been talking about this whole new progressive Christianity. And with your permission, I'd like to do a part two and just kind of wrap this up for a moment. I, and again, I am just hitting the top of the tops. This is so deep, so big, so diabolical. Uh, it would take a year to go through every, everything that we would need to cover. But I want to bring something to your awareness that you may or may not know that will help you navigate the waters of the future as we move forward. Amen? Last week, and I, I typically, most of you know, week before last, I, I typically don't do a lot of review. I just, if you want to hear the notes on part one, go to, it's on the website, click on it, you can listen to it. But just a few highlights of last time I spoke was we talked about, I just kind of opened up with talking about C.S. Lewis. And most of you know who the author C.S. Lewis was. The guy was a genius. He was an evangelist, and he was also incredibly prophetic, I believe, in what he wrote concerning the future. Interesting in his stories. But in the Chronicle of Narnia series, how many have read the Chronicle of Narnia series? Powerful books. If you haven't read them, you ought to read them. They're really, really wonderful. But the last book in the series was called The Last Battle. And in The Last Battle, there was two main characters playing out in this. There was Shift, who was an ape, and Puzzle, this donkey. And what happened was they had successfully created a counterfeit Aslan. Now, Aslan represented everything that was good. 
in the Narnia series. He's kind of a, a representation of Christ. And, and that's kind of how he's in the book. And he's, list, he's mentioned and, and written in every one of the books in the series. But what they had done, shift and puzzle, was they were able to successfully create a counterfeit of Aslan. And, and, and what C.S. Lewis is, is relaying to us in this book is that evil is the most deceiving when it looks like and feels like the truth. And that is, that is playing out before us today. We are seeing this same scenario play out in the capital C church today. And it's not fiction. It's a reality that's moving forward. And it's happening all around us. It is a counterfeit gospel that's coming under the guise of this new progressive Christianity. Amen? I was expecting to get tomatoes and stuff thrown at me last time, but you guys sent me some pretty good comments and thoughts, and I appreciate that. But I'm telling you, if you were to hold this, this counterfeit gospel that's being shared around the world today, if you were to hold it like a counterfeit bill up to the light, it would be missing the watermarked face of God in that doctrine. Amen? And this is something that we have to understand, that this progressive Christianity doctrine, I wrote, is worthless and void of truth, and it robs the soul of the true joy that Christ brings. And we must not be deceived. This is where this comes in, the Word of God. And I'm going to talk about this today, but a few other things I want to cover. Progressive Christianity um, is a movement that's infiltrating and influencing most of the evangelical church today, the capital C Church. And the problem with it that just breaks my heart is there are some really high-profile Christian leaders who are caught up in this because they want to be woke. They don't want to lose tithes and offerings. They don't want to lose those rich people, so they kind of bend to the wishes. It's almost as if they want to be part of creating a hybrid gospel that fits everything. And when I speak to this group, I'll leave this part out because I don't want to offend them. And I run over here, and if I speak to this group, I'll, I'll include that part because I know they won't be offended, by it, but I'll certainly leave something out of it because I don't want to offend them. Man, if you guys follow Mario Murillo, he doesn't care. He speaks the truth, whether it offends or not. Like Steve Shaw used to say, you know, a lot of times the word of God will offend this to reveal our heart. We need more of that today. <clears throat> Getting a few amens, it's good. This progressive movement, as I see it today, it, 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 they want to reinterpret the Bible. They want to reassess historic doctrines, and they want to mess with or redefine the core tenets of our faith. And they're doing it right before our eyes. And I'm watching a lot of people do it who I feel have no grasp of the true truth. The absolute truth, the word of God. And they're rewriting. They're rewriting doctrine. It's okay for gay marriage. It's okay for this. It's okay for that. It's not okay because it's not in the original manuscript. And this is the one that we need to be plumbed into and hold everything onto. We need to hold the line on this word. Amen? So while they're doing this and they're reassessing and, and they're redefining, they're claiming that they're Christian. And also what they're doing is they're also saying, we have a high view of the Bible. We do. We're Christian. But here's the problem. 
is, is it has created, or they are creating uh, this progressive Christianity. They are creating alliances. They are creating compromises, which are agendas that are not aligned with the truth. And what's happening is, is it's sweeping many unsuspecting Christians into a false view of who God is and how God saves. The challenge, though, it's really difficult to spot. And, and, and it's not like a progressive Christian typically comes up to you and says, Hi, I'm your neighborhood progressive Christian, and I'm, I'm here to preach to you a false gospel. They don't, it's, not that, it's not that blatant. In fact, if you, if you really look at it, it is this incredibly slow slide, so slow and so subtle, it's almost imperceivable. Unless you know the truth. You know, the word of God is truth. There is so much unbelievable power in this word, the truth. But it's the knowing of the truth that sets us free. The Greek word for truth is athaletheia, or lethia, and, and, and it literally means to unhide or to hide nothing. It, it conveys this thought that truth is always there, that truth is always open and available for all of us to see with nothing being hidden or nothing being obscured. Over 2,000 years ago, the truth physically walked among men, right? We believe that. In the Greek, or excuse me, in the Hebrew, the word for truth is emet, and it means a firmness, a consistency, a duration. It implies this everlasting substance. It's something that can be relied on. That's what I love about God's word. I cannot tell you how many storms I've been in in my life, both my wife and I, and you as well, where we have gone back to this as our anchor. And this is what's kept us from being blown out into uncharted waters. Amen? I believe with all of my heart that this word, God's word, is a bastion of absolute truth. It is a stronghold. It is the strongest point of, of, of a castle. A bastion is this place that's got these funny, funky angles on it, so it's hard, it's hard to, to get by, but it's easier to defend. God's word is a bastion of absolute truth. But part of our responsibility, and you guys have heard me preach this many times, part of our responsibility as believers is to read and to know the word so that we're not deceived and we're not led astray by the doctrines of devils. There's a lot of stuff out there moving, guys, and we have to know the truth. Yes, now hear my heart. I think, I, I think you guys know my heart. I, I, I want to remain open. I want to remain inviting. I want to remain helping all people come to a place where they can experience the presence of God. Greg did a beautiful job this morning and his team of up there just leading us into a place where we were ex able to experience God and his presence. And I think that's what helped us navigate into Barb's word where God spoke to her heart. She brings the word forward about forgiveness and having that, that blackboard wiped free. And look at all the people that stood up. The presence of God, when we come into his presence and he shows up, everything changes. But if we, I, I, I preached two weeks ago, I shared, but if we don't preach, if we don't contend, for the absolute truth of God's word. 
then we will leave this next generation, I wrote, with a country and a culture that has no respect for the truth at all. And we see that happening before our very eyes. And I'll tell you, I do not want my grandchildren or your children or your great-grandchildren, my great, to grow up in a world where they don't know what truth really is. It's time to hold the line. Gareth Elkins, how many are familiar with the writings of Gareth Elkins? He's been here, shared before. Powerful prophetic brother. I love that guy. Him and Jan are good friends of my wife and I, and, and he writes some powerful things. But he wrote this, and I want to read this because it so fits in to what we're sharing. <clears throat> this is Unholy Alliances. This is the name of his uh, little blog he wrote. Unholy Alliances. While we want to remain open and inviting to all people, helping them to experience the love of God, Creating alliances with the jinn is not aligned with truth for the sake of appearing open and inviting is grave error. A lot of churches are compromising, and I'm talking capital C. It creates a compromise of our faith and creates confusion in the minds of the very people that you and I want to reach. People who God created to see and to hear the absolutes of truth being expressed. The Lord war warned Judah of a worthless treaty they were attempting to form with Egypt. He says in Isaiah 31, you make plans that are contrary to mine. Ooh, you make alliances not directed by my spirit. I want you guys to know that the leadership in this church, it is our heart, our passion mm, to hear God when we make a move on something. We want to hear what God is saying. We want to go and to work and to be where he's working at. We're not running on our own plan. We're listening to God in his heart. And I'm amazed at, 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 at the wisdom that comes out, the collective wisdom that comes out of some of those meetings. I love it. Any attempt to create an alliance of peace without the boundaries of truth and spirit-led consultation with the Lord will always end up in disaster for all involved. It is a challenge in a world where truth has become subjective to speak the truth in love when that expression might be labeled as unloving or out of touch with the current reality. Oh, holy moly. For the last several decades, we have become skilled at consulting the culture about what they want from church. I can't tell you how many emails I get from groups and, 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 and churches and big hitters out there wanting to teach us how to at, from a business perspective, apply business principles that just make the church grow in terms of just numbers. Now hear me, God is all about numbers, but I believe first and foremost, God is about quality. Amen? You guys, there is a quality in you guys that's absolutely amazing, and I love it. He goes on to say, consulting, <clears throat> let's see, consulting the Lord about how to relate to a wayward culture that has abandoned, <clears throat> that has been abandoned in some cases in exchange for a diagnostic research tool used to uncover cultural wants and trends. It has devolved and developed into, a cr into creating a package to deliver a product. Church is not a business. This is not a corporation. There are some that over the years, I remember Steve and I have a conversation with a few people, and I remember Steve just saying, this is family. It's not a business. Now, yes, there are business principles. We want to be responsible with finances and 
you know, paying her. Everything we have here is all paid for because of just diligence. For years, Linda Wright handled the money here and, 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 and through wise counsel. And so she did a remarkable job of paying everything off. It's wonderful. It gives us the freedom to be able to use those resources for expanding the kingdom and not just paying the man, so to speak. And I love that. The data has been used to plant churches and create ministry models with skilled stagecraft and personalities at the expense and the power of the spirit demonstrated by signs, wonders, and miracles and sacrificial love. So we can get smoke machines. I could try wearing tight jeans <laughs> with sequins on them and dance around. Thank you. My wife's back there going, uh-uh, uh-uh. What's Mario Marilla says, skinny jeans and fog machines. Come on, guys. That's not what we're about. But I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God shows up in His power, supernatural signs and wonders, when we preach the real gospel that we'll define in just a moment, there is signs and wonders that should be following that. And, and, and it's hard for someone to refute when all of a sudden something miraculous ha just happens in their life. And that could be all over the charts. It's hard to refute that. You can try, but it's hard to refute it. It was an expensive experiment to follow the data and not the spirit. We now have a chance to experience a God-empowered recovery if we follow the lead of the Lord and none other. The alliances we form must be closely examined for any element that would lead us to compromise the truth or its expression. Amen. Many individual lives and assemblies of faith are currently broken and weary due to the struggles experienced in the last two years. I've, I've, again, I get emails and statistics and all this stuff across my, my desk. And right now, the church in terms of attendance around the nation is at an all-time low. Only 50% of households say they attend a church. Now, more say they believe in God. But your feet is what you vote with. Amen? I, I, and I, I, hear me, I understand there's times to get away and to, and to process and go on vacation. And get, in fact, for the next three weeks, my wife and I are going to be taking a short sabbatical. We've been here 30 years, and we've never done that. But we just want to regroup. There's a couple things we've got to do. We're going to a vineyard conference. It's a leadership conference, and we want to be there. And be part of that. <clears throat> then after that, we're just going to go to an undisclosed location, somewhere high. <laughs> and, and my heart is, guys, is I'm going after God. I'm going after God. I want to know more about the mystery of grace. Now, I can preach messages on grace, God's empowering presence. And I, I, I w there's more. But wait, there's more. And, and, and I want to go after that with all my heart because I think that is the answer for this progressive Christianity that's pushing and pushing. I think we need to learn how to forgive people. I think we need to learn like Daniel instead of railing, you're wrong, you're wrong, and having this argument. He released grace. Remember how Bill Vanderbush spoke on that? Something in that sparked my heart. I just went click. Wow, there's so much more to this. And I want to find out the answers to that. And, and if it's on a mountaintop high and undisclosed location, so be it. <clears throat> he 
he finishes out with reforming a pure and unfiltered alliance with the Lord will offer each of us an opportunity to demonstrate the power and the love of God to this recovering generation without making the mistakes of the past that came about because we did not first consult the Lord to discover the elements of his plan. When's the last time you asked God? God, what do you think about this? I'm making a big decision. What do you think about it? I'm just saying. Sometimes if we would just stop and listen, we would save a lot of time and energy and a lot of mistake and probably a lot of heartache. But this morning, I really want to just quickly bounce off what we call the inerrancy of the word of God. Inerrancy is, is, is the noun form of the word inerrant, and it simply means incapable of being wrong. I believe that this word is incapable of being wrong. I have based my whole life on what is in this book and, 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 and the truths that it holds that I am persuaded, like Paul said, that this is going to keep me until that day. We have lived our life. We have molded and shaped our life along this word. And the decisions and things that my wife and I have made over the years have come from this word. It's amazing. You know, one of the biggest faults I see in pro progressive Christianity is that it really denies the authority of this divinely inspired word of God as it intersects every facet of living. I have come to believe that answer for everything is in this book. There are a few exceptions. Like this book will not tell you who you're going to marry. Now the spirit may lay that on your heart. I tried to convince my wife that in high school, but it took a while to convince her. But it certainly will tell you what kind of person you want to marry. It'll certainly tell you what type of character you're looking for. Amen? How many know that to be true? Yeah, yeah. You know, we live in this weird and wonky moment when it, 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 it just seems like everything tends to shrug its shoulders when it's confronted with air. So what? I don't care if I'm wrong. Whatever, whatever, whatever. We've grown accustomed, so accustomed to being lied to. And, and, and I've watched many people who seem to be comfortable with the false notion, Bible 2 contains errors. I, I, people in my own family who have walked with church, notice I said church, for years, are really comfortable with this thought now that, you know what, maybe there are quite a few mistakes in this book. You know, instead of asking like Pilate, when Pilate and Jesus were having this exchange, and Pilate says, what is truth? You know, postmodern man today says, nothing is truth. Or perhaps, maybe, there is truth, but we cannot know it. Are you kidding me? Here's what Jesus said. He said, the truth is right in front of you, you guys. It's right there. It's right there in front of you. He says in John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings. You are really my disciples. Did you catch that? If you hold to my teachings, not, well, I'll hold on to this part, but that part I'm going to let go of because that doesn't fit, you know, my reality. Come on, it doesn't. No, it says, if you hold to my teachings, hold 
There's two sides to this book when you open it. Hold on to both sides. And then he says, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Paul described truth. You know, Pilate goes, what is truth? Now, was that a cop out? What was Pilate doing? That's a whole nother sermon. But at the end of the day, Paul defined truth. And I shared this week before last out of Galatians chapter one, verses six through nine. And I'm just going to hit the highlights here. He says, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who you called. The one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. The people were already, Paul had preached the gospel. He laid it out. This is what it is. And they began to turn away from it because they were hearing other arguments and they weren't holding on to the word that was delivered to them. Maybe they let go with one hand. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. He goes on to say, I'm sorry, you live, in it, you live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, which is really no gospel at all. Then he goes on, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. This is happening today. Progressive Christianity started eons ago. But it's really becoming super pronounced today. I believe with all my heart, in a spiritual sense, the lid has been lifted off. The enemy knows his time and days are marked, and he's going crazy. Hold on to both sides, guys. Hold the line. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Whoa. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Whoa. Whoa. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. And if you hold firmly, there you go, hold firmly. The word I preach to you, otherwise you will have believed in vain. And he goes on talking about the importance of what he first preached. Guys, I, I really believe that, that the truth contained in this word, the truth that's contained in God's word, this Bible I've got sitting right here, I believe with all my heart, it reflects the very character of God. And it is foundational to our understanding of everything, everything the Bible teaches. I believe the Bible is perfect in every way. I believe that God's word is perfect in every way. Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul, the statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I was a young boy, young man, trying to make it, I was floundering around, and I remember a, a gentleman, Andy Dooley, powerful brother. He's with Jesus now. He pulled me aside one day, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, what's going on, son? I said, man, it is just hard. You know, I left home at 16. I was working my way through high school, and, every, I, man, it was a struggle living in my car, and, and, and it was a struggle. And I remember Andy putting his arm around me, and he said, what you need, son, is wisdom. 
He said, there's this book called Proverbs. I knew what he was talking about, Proverbs, but I'd haphazardly read Proverbs. He said, you know, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And if you just take one chapter a day and you read it, I did that for a year, guys. And I learned so much about integrity, so much about keeping my word, so much about navigating the storms that I was facing. I am convinced that that word saved my life at that moment in time. Because someone was willing to come up to me and say, this is truth, not what they're saying, meaning the world. And don't go back there, son. This truth will save your life. Keep your nose in it. Hold on. You know, it, 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 it says in Proverbs 30, uh, verse 5, every word of God is flawless and is a shield to those who take refuge in him. These claims of purity and perfection are absolute statements, guys. You can go to the bank on these absolute statements. Notice that it doesn't say that God's word is mostly pure, does it? No, it says it's perfect. It doesn't say that the scripture is nearly perfect. No, it's completely perfect. But there's a message out there, a false gospel that says, you know, there's a few errors in there. Guys, the Bible, the Bible itself stands or falls as a whole. Think about this for a moment. If a major, let's say, motor repair manual publisher was coming out with publications on repair and it was found out that they routinely uh, were printing all kinds of errors in it, what would happen to that publication? It would quickly be discredited. It could be even a newspaper. Let's say a newspaper was all of a sudden discovered to be printing all kinds of errors. It would be discredited, or at least you would think it would be. And it wouldn't make any difference at all, I don't think, to say, you know, in that repair manual, every, every error that we've written is only uh, contained on page 7. It doesn't work like that. Or a newspaper, only on page 7. Everything else is true, but on page 7 we printed all the errors. Guys, for any publication, for any newspaper, for anything to be reliable in any of its parts, it must be factual all throughout, correct? If in the same way, think about this for a moment. If, if the Bible is inaccurate when it speaks of geology, why should we trust its theology? It's either a trustworthy book or it's not. I think the Bible also is a reflection of its author. Really, I think all books are. The Bible is written by God himself. You have to understand that. You have to believe that. You have to have faith in that. But it was written by God himself as he was working through human authors in a process called inspiration. The word of God, all scripture, is God-breathed. Breathed. There we go. And, 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 and when you read through this book, you soon realize that the scriptures are words that are spoken by God and their testimonies to his great goodness, right? And it also, it also represents how good and how perfect God is and, and, and how he created the heavens and the earth and set the stars spinning and he even breathed life into man and then all of a sudden man became the guardians of all that he created. It's all in the book. First, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy ever produced 
by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Peter 1.21. Jeremiah 1.2. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Joash, son of Ammon, king of Judah. You see this? You see what's happening? God brings his word through the power of the Spirit into human beings who begin to scribe and write down what God was speaking. Most of us, I think, in this room would have no problem believing that God who created the universe is also capable of writing a book and he's also very capable of writing a book that is perfect, right? Progressive Christianity wants to rewrite this. They want to tear out pages that don't mean anything, they think. Oh, that's worthless. This doesn't apply anymore. And they want to rip it out. And they want to slip it. To me, that becomes a scrapbook. To me, scrap's kind of junk. It's not worthy. I mean, not to offend scrapbookers here, but. So the issue to me at the end of the day is, is not simply does the Bible have a mistake, but can God make a mistake? How many believe God can make a mistake? Thank you. Barb, your hand's not up, is it? <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Barb. If the Bible contains factual errors, then <clears throat> it, God is not omniscient. God is not all-knowing. And he's capable of making errors himself, if that's true. If the Bible contains misinformation, then God is not truthful, but instead, God's a liar. He's a storyteller. And man... He told some whoppers. If the Bible contains contradictions, then God is the author of confusion. We know this is not true, right? In other words, if Bible inerrancy is not true, then God is not God. Here's something to think about. Turn to Hebrews 4, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I want you to notice as I read through this, I want you to notice the relationship between the word and the heart, okay? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now, I am an old meat cutter by trade, and I know what sharp is. There is sharp, and then there is razor sharp. So, the word and the heart. You guys see the relationship here? The word examines, but what is being examined? The heart. So here we read, the word is alive, it's active, and what is it doing? It's examining the heart. It's the heart that's being examined. That's what the word does. When you read the word, it begins to examine your heart. How many of you have read the word and been challenged? How many have been the wor read the word and been convicted? It's challenging your heart. But here's what happens. If we begin to discount any part of God's word for any reason, all of a sudden we have reversed this process where we become the examiners and the word must submit to our superior insight. 
Yet God says in Romans 9.20, but who are you? A human being to talk back to God. Ouch. <clears throat> Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Ooh, that would preach. The Bible's message, everything in here, guys, must be taken as a whole. It's not a mixture of doctrine that we're free to choose and select from. And that's what's happening today. There are people going here and going, that's good. I don't like that. I'm going to tear that up. That's, I like that. Many people, many people, especially progressive Christians in that whole group, they really like what the word says when it talks about how much God loves them. They don't have a problem with that. But when it gets to the part about God judging sinners, they go on their ear. They want to tear that part out. That's where they want to repute. Nah, you know, that's not really what God was saying. I think the writer got it bad that day. But we, again, we simply cannot choose what we like and what we don't like about the Bible and throw the rest away. We cannot do that. If the Bible is wrong about hell, then who is to say what is right about heaven? Or anything else. If the Bible cannot get the details right about creation I wrote, then maybe the details about salvation cannot be trusted either. Or how about the kingdom of God? If the story of Jonah is a myth, <clears throat> by the way, we have a Jonah, it's not a myth. <laughs> but if the story of Jonah in the word is a myth, then perhaps the story of Jesus is too. That's what they're implicating. On the contrary, my friends, God has said what he has said. And the Bible presents us a full picture of who he is. Psalms 119, 89. Your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Always go back. Hold the line on truth. You know, if I believe with all my heart, and I'm just going to kind of wrap this up, I believe <clears throat> that this word is a plumb for my faith and for everything I do. I believe it, I confess it, and I try my hardest to act upon it. And that's when I see the reality of this truth come alive, when I put it into action. You know, if this book is not reliable, then on what do we base our beliefs? Jesus said, hey guys, I'm going to ask for your trust. And that includes you trust in what he says and in his word. Can we do that? In John 6, <clears throat> verses 67 through 69, Jesus had just preached a hard sermon. And Jesus began to watch and witness the departure of many who had been claiming to be a follower of Jesus. They just turned around and walked away. And there was a huge crowd, and they just walked away. And you could probably hear... And Jesus turns around to his 12 apostles and he says, you do not want to leave. You do not want to leave too, do you? And Peter, speaking for the rest, says, hey, Lord, whom shall we go? Where can we go, Jesus? You are the one. They recognize that he was the truth and in him was complete freedom. You have the words of eternal life. I pray, guys, that you and I will have the same trust in the Lord and in his words of life. You know, Bible inerrancy <clears throat> does not mean that we're to stop using our minds, 
or we're to accept what the Bible says or what people say from the Bible blindly. That's why I challenge you guys, whenever anyone speaks up here, take your notes, search the scriptures for yourself. Let God speak to you, amen? <clears throat> it would be ridiculous of me to just say, put your Bibles away, they're not allowed in here. Trust. Sounds like that jungle book, trust in me. And there's people saying that. Hold the line. Know the word. It will save you a lot of heartache. Second Timothy says we are to study the word. Acts 17, 11 says those who search it out are commended. Yes, I will be the first one to say there are difficult passages in this word. I've also seen some really sincere disagreements over interpretation. But at the end of the day, this book, all scripture should be reverently and prayerfully approached. And, and when we find something in here that we don't understand, how many have done that? You, you're reading and go, man, I don't, <clears throat> I'm, I'm reading some passages right now and I'm just going, you know, I, I'm having a hard time getting my head around that, Father. Can you help me? And, and, and so I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, our lead? Uh, he's our leader. He's a counselor. He's a guide. He helps us through and navigate this. But I'm, I'll be honest, there still comes a moment when you're still trying to understand it and you don't. And maybe that's the point we need to humbly acknowledge the, our own limitations uh, in the face of a perfect God. I always, I always kind of cringe a little bit when there's that person that's the answer person, the Bible answer person. I appreciate their knowledge, but sometimes they'll say something and go, what? And then I have to go back and I want to search it for myself. But I'll, I'll be honest, there are times when I don't know what God was trying to convey and I have to humbly just say, I don't know, but I'm trusting that God will reveal this to me. This is my journey of walking through grace. I want to know. I think intuitively, I've walked grace out towards others my whole life. My mother, you guys know the story. She abandoned me. She didn't even want me. She left me to die. I got scars on my body where they had to cut in to find veins to bring me life back into my body. But I've never held a grudge against her. Never. Uh, somehow, I was able. how was I able to, did I understand grace at that young of it? I mean, I don't know. I just know I never, 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 never felt anything ill towards my biological mother. And I never knew her growing up except a few exchanges a very few exchanges. But when I <clears throat> got a phone call <clears throat> and it was from a funeral home and said, uh, are you Doug Trump? Yeah, is your mom? Yeah. And I go, what the heck? It says, what do you want to do with her body? Why did she choose me out of seven siblings from other dads? Why did she choose me, the one she didn't know? God was working something in my heart. I could have just said, are you kidding me? She threw me under the bus. I want nothing to do goodbye, hang up. I didn't do that. I just said, I'll take care of this. Something about you needs to pray. We're going to figure this out. But I just want you guys to understand <clears throat> that the word of God is speaking. So let's stand. I appreciate you guys letting me <clears throat> go down this road for a moment. I hope it resonates with your heart. But the word of God is always speaking. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to go places that nothing on this planet can. We're going to listen to a song.
and I just want you guys to enter into and engage with the Spirit of God right now. Jason, you got that? <laughs>